I pray, Lord, for receptivity. I pray, Lord God, that the eyes of our hearts would be flooded with the light of your word. Encourage the saints today through your word and by your spirit. And we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. We're going to go ahead and uh, dismiss the junior high. You know, I know one thing for sure. God has got a resurrection breakthrough for you. And we're going to talk about before that you can get a breakthrough on the outside, oftentimes their first and foremost must be something happening on the inside of you. There needs to be a positioning in our spirits to receive those openings that God has prepared for you really from before the foundation of the earth. There are things yet to be received There are manifestations yet to occur. There are breakthroughs yet to happen awaiting your positioning. And this is so very, very vital. So I want you to take a look at Romans chapter 6. And we'll look at verses 1 through 4 this morning. How many of you are believing God with me today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Romans, the sixth chapter. And, uh, you know, this talks about Jesus being raised from the dead. Verse 1 of Romans chapter 6 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Walking in newness of life. The word life there in the Greek is zoe. It literally means the essence of God, the nature of God, imparted into your spirit at the time of the new birth. It could also be defined as the God quality of life, but also the God quantity of life. It is Not life as we knew it before we were born again. But it is a new life. It is a new man who lives on the inside of you. It is, in fact, life as God has it. If you look up the word zoe in the Greek, it literally means life in the absolute sense. Which means No death attached to it whatsoever. Jesus came that you and I would have this life. In John chapter 1 verse 4 it says this. That in him was life. And the life was the light or the development of man. That's what the word uh, light means. This life, this zoe... When it is cultivated, when it is tended to, as it develops in your life, will cause you to be quickened in your body, quickened in your mind, quickened in your relationship, causing breakthroughs to happen for you, not occasionally, but breakthroughs to happen for you on a regular basis. A resurrection breakthrough for you. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. In John 5, 26 it says, For as the Father has life in himself, so has he given the Son to have life in himself. And then in John chapter 10, verse 10, we know the first part of that verse says that the thief, that's the devil, right? That which kills, that which steals, and that which destroys is not your father. It is the devil. 
He comes not but for to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But what have you come for, Jesus? Read it with me. But I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The life as God has it. The God kind. The God quality of life. The Amplified says, I am come that you might have life in abundance to the full until it overflows. <coughs> Everyone say in abundance. In abundance. To the full, to the full. Until, it overflows. until it overflows. Overflowing life is the will of God for me. Overflowing life is the will of God for you. Life that overflows is the life that Jesus came to give you. Life abundantly to the full until it overflows. Oh, hallelujah. And Romans chapter 6 in verse 23 says this. That the wages of sin is what? The wages of sin is death. I guess we found that out, didn't we? I mean, before we were born again, we were, we were death going somewhere to die. But thank God we've been delivered. I said, thank God we've been delivered. We're no longer dead. We're alive unto God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now the wages of sin is death, right? But now notice the gift of God. I want you to understand this. That the gift of God is a free gift. And this gift that has been given unto you and I is eternal life. And eternal life is eternal Zoe. I mean, I'm talking about Zoe in the morning. Zoe in the noontime. Zoe in the nighttime. Zoe all day long. Zoe from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. Zoe in my spirit, Zoe in my body, Zoe in my mind, Zoe in my marriage, Zoe in my pocketbook, life as God has it. And it's a gift. You can't work for it. It's freely given. The word gift there is charisma. Everyone say charisma. What is charisma? Charisma is what you is. Charismatic. Tongue talking. Bible believing. Devil casting out. Divine healing. Holy Ghost. Pentecostals. That's who we are. And we're not ashamed to say it. But that word gift there, the gift of God is eternal life. It's the same gift, word for gift, that God has placed in every one of us in that He has given us grace gifts whereby you and I are enabled to serve one another with these grace gifts. They're service gifts. It is the same gift that is the gift of the Holy Ghost. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. It's all charisma. It's all Charismatic. It's a divine gift of favor. It's a divine gift of grace. It is an extraordinary power from on high lodged in your spirit, enabling you to do what you couldn't do for yourself, enabling you to serve God with all of your might and to walk in glory and to walk in the light of the glorious gospel. That's charisma. It's God lighting up your life. It's God removing the darkness out of your soul and causing you to be made whole. Causing you to have a peace that passes all understanding. Causing you to be able to put your head on the pillow at night and sleep, sleep, sleep for the glory of God. It's a gift. It's a gift. And this gift, if not tended to, and if not uh, cultivated and paid attention to, can lie dormant in our lives. Quite frankly, most Christians know they have life on paper, 
but very few act like they have life outside. Say it with me, I've got the life of God in me. I've got His life. I've got His nature. And I've got His supernatural ability. I've got the life of God in me. Stop ignoring it. Stop talking death talk. Stop singing death songs. Stop praying death prayers. And start praying life prayers. Speaking life words. Singing life songs. Alive, alive. My Jesus is alive. He's alive in me. Hallelujah. In 2 Peter, I believe it's chapter 1, or 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 4, it says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Did you realize that what you have sitting in your lap and what's on the blessed tron right now is precious? But it's not just precious, it's exceedingly precious. And these exceeding great and precious promises have been given unto you and given unto me. So that by these or through the vehicle of the promises, you and I might be able to partake, to participate, to be active and to receive All that the divine nature, the Zoe of God represents in our lives. Say it with me. I've got the promises. promises. And through these promises, promises, I am partaking. I am participating participating in the divine nature. nature. Oh my goodness. Think about it. You came out of a fallen nature. Because you served a fallen being. But now you serve a risen Savior. You serve a Savior who lifted you up and raised you up. And said, now son, daughter, I am inviting you to into my promises. And if you will partake of them, all that my divine nature represents is yours. Oh, glory. I don't know whether it helps you or not, but I just preach myself happy. I'm a partaker. You're a partaker of the divine nature. So why aren't more of you partaking? Now last Sunday was Easter, right? We had to catch a flight at about 5 o'clock, so we went to In-N-Out Burger. It was closed. We went to Chipotle and it was closed. Nobody knows the trouble I saw. But we went to La Salsa. About that time I was ready to do the Zumba and eat. And we partook. But normally on Easter, you know, when we're not traveling, we go to a nice big spread. You know what I'm saying? And we won't talk too much about it because it is 5 to 12. But we go to a nice, great, big spread. And I enjoy, you know, watching other people partake. But when I paid my money, you know I'm going to partake. I'm going to go to the buffet and I'm going to not buffet my body. I'm going to buffet it. Partakers. Well, you see, God has set a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Yeah, there's enemies all around us. We're not going to be able to get away from the enemies until we get raptured or until we go on to be with the Lord, right? But we don't want to pay attention to the enemies. We want to pay attention to what's on the table. Because you see, the enemy is under our feet. That means he's under the table. But the divine nature and God's goodies are on the table. And so it's up to us then to partake of the divine nature of God. Now, there are many people that aren't doing it until they get in trouble. And that's okay. But we want to bump up a little bit, if you will. We want to go from economy class Christianity to first class. 
We want to rise up to all of our rights and privileges at the buffet table. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. And yes, if we're in trouble, he's an ever-present help in time of trouble. That's certain and that's so. But God's got a better way and God's got a higher way for you and I to live. Especially those of us who have been fed the word of God for years and years and years. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, and I want you to look at this with me on the Blessedron, and I want to read it from the Amplified Version. He says, that is why I remind you. I'm just here to remind you of some things this morning. This is why I would remind you to stir up, to rekindle the embers of, and fan the flame of, and keep burning the gracious charisma of God. Paul is talking to a young man, Timothy. And by virtue of the fact that he tells him to stir up the gift that's on the inside of him, tells me that there must have been some things coming against Timothy that would prevent him and obstruct him from walking in the fullness of this gracious gift of God that was on the inside of him. Otherwise, the next verse would have never said, for God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. There were things that were standing in Timothy's way. So Paul comes along as a spiritual father and says, I just dropped by to remind you something, Timothy, that it's your responsibility to do something with the charisma that's on the inside of you. It's your responsibility to stir it up, to activate the Zoe on the inside of you. Because if you don't activate it, fear will get the best of you. But if you will activate it, world overcoming faith will come upon you and and cause you to be turned into another man, and you'll be able to walk in victory every day of your life. Woo! And I dropped by Heart of the Bay this morning to remind you some things. You know these things. But I want to remind you to stop ignoring this gracious gift. Stop ignoring eternal life on the inside of you. But before God Almighty, stir up the gift that's on the inside of you. In other words, activate this Zoe that's in you so that it doesn't lie dormant so that Zoe can begin to work for you and give you a breakthrough on the outside which first starts on the inside. Oh, glory to God. And I don't know any better way to say it than that. Look at your neighbor and say, stir up. The gift of God. Say it again. Stir up the gift of God. Point to yourself and say, I'm stirring up the gift of God. So he says, I remind you to stir up, rekindle the embers, fan the flame, and keep burning the gracious gift of God, this inner fire that's on the inside of you. Now, the word stir up means to kindle. See, oftentimes people start out in their Christianity like a house of fire, a bonfire. But because of life's circumstances and situations that come against us, which was once a bonfire, turns into a little flick of the bick. Well, don't get under condemnation if it's a flip, flick of the bick. Rekindle it. Fan the flame. Let the Holy Ghost blow on it and let that inner fire that's on the inside of you turn again, once again, into a bonfire. I'm talking to you about on how to activate the gift of God. How to activate the gift of God. This eternal life on the inside of you. Any candidates? Thank you for those three weak amens. Have we got any candidates? Is there anyone in the house today that wants to know how to stir themselves up? Because once you learn how to do it, you're responsible to do it. Can't be Pastor Tom that does it for you. Or Pastor Brenda that does it for you. Or everyone in the 510-916-925-650 area code. You've got to stir yourself up. 
Stir yourself up. Now turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 5.23. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. The Bible says, In the very God of peace, sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, that your whole spirit and soul and body would be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice that with me. He says, I pray that your whole, what? Your whole spirit, soul, and body. Most of the church world quotes it wrong because they live wrong. They live with their bodies first. They live with their minds first. And they think about taking a spiritual snack, you know, a couple times a month. But the Bible got it right. The Bible says your whole spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. The reason why most people in the body of Christ say body, soul, and spirit is because they're more body conscious. You think about the amount of time we take tendon to our bodies. Your body will cry out after about three and a half hours, feed me. And you should feed your body the proper nourishment, right? Now, the more junk food you put in your body, the more your body's going to cry out, feed me, feed me, feed me, right? But if you will feed your body the right things, your body then will begin to get controlled and everything will be in balance. But you think about how much time is spent on the body. And then how much time is spent on the mind. And I believe that we should train our minds and educate our minds. And I believe in going to college and going to university. I believe in developing the gifts that God has given us. And it requires for us to get educated. Amen? But I don't believe in educating our minds at the expense of our spirits. Because in reality, you and I are spirit beings. Now, we possess souls, we have a mind, we have a will, we have emotions, but we live in a physical body. Is that right? See, what you're looking at today is my outward man. Amen? My outward man on November 5th, 2012, is going to be 62 years old. I've noticed in the last 10, 15 years that the outward man wants to get a little gray. But it's glory gray, right? You know, when I was in my 30, when I was in my 30s, my mustache was black. I had to switch to just for men when I was in my 40s. Then I started looking like Juan Valdez, that Mexican coffee bean dealer. And I thought, that just ain't right. Right? So I just let her go. So you're looking at the outward man. Used to be able to do a lot more with the outward man than I can right now. Used to be able to go out and jog six, seven miles, not even bother me. Now I get to an elliptical and do, you know, what I can. Right? Used to go out and pound the knees on the pavement. Now I ride a bicycle. Smart. See, the outward man is decaying. But oh, the inward man. Oh, come on, somebody. This inward man, this new man on the inside, this new creation, this one with the life of God in it, the Bible says it's being renewed day by day. You're not getting any older on the outside. You're being renewed day by day. Just think about it. There's coming a day when we're going to get a glorious body. You talk about a resurrection breakthrough for you. No more tucks, no more paint. Amen. Come on, somebody. No more Weight Watchers, no more Jenny, no more Body by Vi. You know what I'm talking about. A resurrected body. Woo, glory to God. Yeah, the outward man's getting older. But this inward man. I said this inward man. I said this inward man is being renewed day by day. And if you will give your inward man the proper nourishment, 
And if you will tend to the inner man, and you will feed it exceeding great and precious promises, if you will pray much, and sing much, and stir yourself up much, this inner man that is being renewed day by day will affect your body even today. It will affect your soul. It will affect your marriage. It will make you strong when you should be weak. It will make you great when you should be small. The life of God on the inside of you will bring a breakthrough for you. But the problem is, most Christians aren't stirring themselves up. They're just watching. They're just waiting for someone to preach them happy. I got news for you, brother. You already done should be happy. You shouldn't wait for someone to preach you happy. You ought to come to church happy. Now, if you're not happy, just hold on. You're going to get happy. But once you're happy, it's up to you to stay happy. You know that's the truth. Well, pastor just didn't have it today. I'm not happy. Well, do something yourself. The church in general, not necessarily this church. But the church in general is full of watchers. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Pastor's got a new tie on. Oh, she fine, she fine. (laughs) Just watching. Hey, saint, the Bible says watch and pray. Not watch and act cool. Just watching. Watching. Then then the church is full of waiters. Waiting for God to do something. i got news for you. God, He's already done everything for you. He's going to do. You're not waiting on Him. He's waiting on you. Waiting to see. Watching to see. That's not the God kind of life. The God kind of life is being a participator. The God kind of life is knowing how to stir yourself up. I can't look to Pastor Tom and Pastor Brenda, my wife, to stir me up. I got to stir myself up. Are you listening to me? And Paul says, stir up the gift of God that is in you. That gift of God that is in you is in your spirit, but it can lie dormant. And I, as your pastor, love you so much that I'm committed to preach to you the uncompromised word of God that tells you what you need to do about your situation. I do not want a congregation full of 30 and 40 year old babies. Who are always looking for prayer. Who are always looking for a handout. Who are always got a sad story and a sad song. And listen friends, the crisis of life comes to us all. And the body of Christ and the church, we should lock shields together. Are you listening to me? We should love one another. We should pray for one another. We should be a blessing. Come on now. To one another. But you know what? What are you going to do at midnight? What are you going to do at two in the morning? What are you going to do when all hell breaks loose on you and it's just you? I got news for you. It's not just you. It's you and the Lord. And with the two of you, there ain't nothing that can stand in your way. Here's some things that I have learned by experience. I understand that a spirit can get weak. You know, if you can be strong in your spirit, you can get weak in your spirit. Here are some signs of spiritual weakness. A lack of compassion and patience with others. Lethargy, which means the quality or state of being drowsy and dull. There's a few of you here today. 
and you've allowed it so much that you are asleep. If you can't stay awake in church, my God, what are you going to do when the enemy pounds on your chest? Lethargy. The quality or state of being drowsy and dull, listless, unenergetic, indifferent and lazy, apathetic or sluggish, inactive. Apathy is this. It's the absence absence or suppression of passion, emotion or excitement. It is a lack of interest or concern for things that that others find moving or exciting. Me in a church, man, people, yeah, glory. What are they so excited about? Apathy, lethargy, dull, listless. Here's one thing that I want to center in on today because I realize I don't have all afternoon. Disappointment will cause you to be weak in your spirit. And discouragement will take the life right out of you. How many of you have been disappointed before? How many of you have been discouraged before? I'll raise both hands. So I'm not preaching platitudes that I'm up here and you're down here. I'm preaching the reality of life. We all face it. But what we do with it when we face it will determine whether we get a breakthrough or whether we stay put in the same place. For years and years sometimes. Now the word disappointment simply means to be sad. It it means to be depressed. And it's because of something that You have been looking forward to happening and it just didn't come off. I've had that happen with many sermons. I'll be honest with you. Just left unsatisfied, disappointed. Life circumstances come in sometimes and they crowd in on you. And they want to crush you and then they want to squeeze the charisma out of you. That's why Paul says, don't neglect the gift that's in you. Don't neglect the charisma, that Zoe on the inside of you. That's so great a salvation that Jesus bought and paid for. Don't you take it for granted and don't you dare neglect it. But cultivate it. And so disappointment and discouragement and... All these things that come against us by virtue of the fact that we live in a fallen world. We live in a world where tribulation will try to squeeze you. That's the kind of world we live in. But I would remind you, saints, you are not of this world. And you have world overcoming faith residing on the inside of you. And I want to look at a portrait of a man that was disappointed. He was distressed to the point of anxiety, to the point of sorrow, to the point of pain. He was in a very sad condition. He came home to his hometown by the name of Ziklag. After out fighting with his band of warriors and they were so tired already. How many have ever been on a long trip and it was just good to get home? You know, Brenda talked about the birthday party with 40 plus people yesterday at John's house on Saturday. Well, I left Friday. Because I knew I was going to be doing what I'm doing right now. And Brenda says it was a good call. 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag... On the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south in Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire, verse 2. And had taken the women captive that were therein, they slew not any, either great or small. 
that carried them away and went on their way. Verse 3. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. That is not a good day. Verse 4. Then David and the people that were with him, they lifted up their voice and wept. They were distressed. And they had no more power to weep. Verse 5. Because David's two wives were taken captives. And you only get one under the new covenant, guys. And I'm glad of it because I would never want another. My honey's more than enough. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinadim, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the, son of, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And if you don't think I'm Hebraic enough for you, get a life. And David was greatly distressed. He was discouraged. He was sad. He was depressed. Why? For the people spoke of stoning him. Literally. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. And David went and hid in a cave. And David went to bed. No, what did David do? I I need a little bit more participation. I I need a little help. The preacher needs a little help now. Come on. What did David do? What are you going to do? See, you were stronger when you said David encouraged himself in the Lord, but just a little weaker when you said, I will encourage myself in the Lord. Now, let's ask this again. What did David do? What are you going to do? Encourage. In other words, to take courage. David was tempted to lose heart. The Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. The Bible says that unrelenting disappointment leaves your heart sick. But a sudden good break can turn life around. We could say that David was down on the inside. And when a person is down on the inside and they don't take time to courage in themselves in the Lord on the inside, it'll show up on the outside. Now listen, he needed a breakthrough. Here's what I want you to see. He needed a breakthrough first in here. He needed to encourage himself in the Lord. He needed to stir himself up. Are you getting this? First. And then he would get a breakthrough on the outside. So what did David do? That means he restored himself to strength. He was sustained. He was becoming bolder and stronger. He was growing courageous in the midst of all hell. I like this definition. One definition to encourage is to make firm. To make firm. You see, David couldn't afford to be wishy-washy. He could not afford to, to, to have this attitude like a lot of people in church do, waiting, watching, Well, whatever the Lord wants, whatever the Lord will do, que sera, sera. People like that never get victory. But David made a firm decision. And he firmed up his spirit and he took courage. And here, I believe, is how he did it. And here's how you can do it. David was the psalmist of Israel. David was a man, before he became the king of Israel, was a sheep herder. 
And I believe that as David was tending those sheep, he was singing songs to the Lord. One time David spoke to his soul and he said, David, why are you soul? Why are you disquieted within me? What's going on? And then he spoke to his soul. You see, to encourage yourself in the Lord, you not only need to sing up, but you need to speak up. Did you get that? You not only need to sing up, but you need to speak up. David spoke to his soul. And here's what David said. He said, David, it's time for you to get your eyes off of the circumstances and put your hope and your trust and your confidence back in God. David, it's time for you. Soul, soul, rise up. He said, why are you disquieted within me, O my soul? Then he said, hope thou in God. And here's what he said. He said, for I will yet praise him. For you are the help and you are the health of my countenance. I submit to you that one way that David stirred up is he sang. I submit to you that another way that David stirred up and encouraged himself and became bold is he spoke up. There are times when you must have a conversation with yourself. And say what the Word says about your heart. Say things like, I've got the life of God in me. This can't take me down because greater is He that's in me than he that's in the world. The life of God is in me right now. And that life will see me through any situation. You see, David... Remembered the promises. David rehearsed God's love. And David began to boast in the Lord about how that God had delivered him in the past. In Psalms 103, David said this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits who forgives all my iniquities, who heals all my diseases, who redeems my life from destruction, who crowns me with loving kindness, who renews my youth just like the eagles. Glory to God. David got happy. And here's what happened. Right smack dab in the midst of a discouraging situation, in the midst of distress, David all of a sudden got strong. And I want you to look at verse 8 now, First Samuel chapter 30. Oh, glory. Say it with me. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. First Samuel chapter 30 and verse 8. Stir yourself up this week. Sing a song to the Lord. Speak God's Word this week. Say what God's Word says about you. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, and I love this, in verse 8, And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And the Lord answered, read it with me, Pursue, for you will surely overtake them, and without fail... You shall recover all. You know, it's very difficult to hear from God when you're discouraged. Never approach God for direction. Listen, this is worth your trip. Never approach God for exact direction for your life when you're discouraged. But rather take time to encourage yourself. Because when you're discouraged... The enemy will take advantage of that. But when you're encouraged, come on, saints, you'll be able to hear more clearly, more concisely, and more accurately. See, David wasn't in shape to hear pursue, overtake, and recover until he was first encouraged. You know, that's that's a good point right there. 
Now, so from that position of strength, the Lord spoke to him. Now notice with me. In verse 16 through verse 19, as we track this out, they went on a reconnaissance, if you will, to find out where these Amalekites were. They ran into a man along the way and he told them where they were. He said, but don't kill me. Well, in verse 16, it says, when, when he had brought him down and behold, there were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing. That's the Amalekites. The Amalekites are a type of devils, demons, and evil spirits that drink and dance and rejoice over you when you're down. Because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. So they were rejoicing in the defeat of the Philistines and in the defeat of Ziklag and in the defeat of David's men. And I hear a word from heaven this morning. And that word is found in Micah 7, verse 8. And you can declare this from a point of strength and from a point of encouragement. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. Because when I fall, I shall arise. They may be happy temporarily, but when you come out from the presence of the Lord... You can say, watch out, Mr. Devil. I was down, but now I'm up. Don't you dare rejoice over me because I'm getting up and I'm about to slay you all day long, all night long, and all the next day. Make your enemies pay. Verse 17. And David smote them from the twilight unto the evening of the next day. <laughs> Glory. And David smote them from the twilight even to the evening of the next day. And there escaped none of, not a man of them, save 400 young men which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them. Neither small nor great. Neither sons nor daughters neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them because David recovered all. For him to get a breakthrough on the outside, he had to get a breakthrough on the inside. Listen now. Listen, 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 listen. For Paul and Silas <laughs> to get a breakout of the jail... They had to get a breakthrough on the inside. Come on now. Paul and Silas were thrown in jail. They were beaten. They were told not to say anything. But Paul and Silas prayed. And they sang praises to God. They were tempted to be discouraged. But what they did is they prayed up. And that's the third point. You need to sing up. You need to speak up and you need to pray up. They prayed and they sang praises to God and God sent an earthquake and shook that prison and a breakout came. <laughs> I said a breakout came. But the breakout didn't come out here. It came from in here. See, the apostle Paul said, I'm a tongue talker. And he said, I'm glad I speak with tongues more than the whole church at Corinth. Paul said, when you pray in the spirit, you are building yourselves up. And you are charging your inner man up like a battery. I submit to you that Paul and Silas purposely encouraged themselves in the Lord. They stirred up the gift of God on the inside. See, the word of God says this. Here's your assignment this week, Heart of the Bay. Do some praying. Do some singing. And do some speaking. 
And concerning prayer, the Bible says, but you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. The Amplified says you will rise like an edifice higher and higher and higher and higher as you pray in the Holy Ghost. Neglect not the gift that's on the inside of you. In closing, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Thank you, Lord. Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Say it with me. Sing up. up. Pray up. up. And speak up. up. Stir up. up. Encourage Encourage myself myself in the Lord. Lord. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18 says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Here's the will of the Lord. Do not be drunk with wine or Budweiser, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The Greek literally says, but be being filled with the Spirit. And notice this word, speaking. Everyone say speaking. Speaking Speaking to yourselves. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And then giving thanks always for all things. Those that have a new song. Those that sing from the presence of God on the inside of them. Those that will speak my word. And those that will keep themselves prayed up she'll never experience spiritual breakdown. But she'll experience breakthrough here and there and everywhere. Neglect not the gift, heart of the bay, that's on the inside of you, but rather live a spirit-filled life. Let's all stand to our feet.